When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We're away to Notting Hill Gate this week to explore a building that's been hiding in plain view. It sounds like a success story to me with some property porn thrown in for free. Hey baby, let me take you down to a place of strange sights and sound. You ain't never seen the light before. Just a stone throw from your front door. place that you find me at the start of this week's podcast is a bit unusual. I'm on stage, the lights are on me, and ranged against me are 180 seats for an audience that is not here. In fact, we're alone in the coronet here at Notting Hill Gate. With me is Anna Winters. She's the artistic director of the print room at the coronet. Hi, Anna. Hello, how are you? I'm pretty good, yes. There's something quite quite comfortable peculiarly about this uh, setup you'd have thought it would feel strange or empty or something but it really doesn't no it does have um, actually it does have living ghosts in here and i think maybe this is why you're feeling this presence of people around us um coronet um, originally was a theater an opera house built in 1898 and closed very soon as a theatre in about 1910, where it became a cinema, because people were more interested in, in pictures than theatre itself. So there are a lot of um, ghosts, uh, probably Ellen Terry, uh, walking around us, and many other people who lived here and worked here. Is it possible to pin down... By the way, I, I do feel relaxed. It's, it's bizarre <laughs> for you to introduce ghosts, but for, for, for relaxation to result. How does a place identify itself now what is its primary purpose well primary purpose is a theater but also we would like to build it into a multidisciplinary center so where we have dance uh, music arts exhibits um, theater poetry and, and so on well, we should probably unpack without any delay what the print room is. And when the print room first came across my radar, I imagined that it was somebody with lithographs. What is the print room? Actually, we started on Hereford Road, and it was print room. Actually, name came from an old warehouse, and it used to be a printing house. And uh, we were there about four or five years. Um, but unfortunately, we had to leave the place which was very dear to us um, as because the landlord wanted to turn it into um, luxury apartments. 
No, more luxury apartments. More and more, yes, unfortunately. Uh, and what was your organisation doing? What were you making? Well, we were making theatre, mainly theatre. We did have music and, of course, dance, um, which was very important. We did have some poetry reading workshops for the actors and art exhibits. We had artists like Evan Turk, um, Sophie Lashreit from Belgium and um, many others. So you're exactly the sort of organisation that premises and studio space and all that stuff, that's the real challenge quite often, isn't it? Well, it is a challenge. Actually, more challenge was moving into this building from Hereford Road, to be honest, because when I walked in first time, um, we virtually used flashlights because most of the rooms in this building, except the main auditorium, was not in use since 1920s or 30s when, you know, theatre was shut down and they did not need um, dressing rooms anymore except one where they kept where the cinema kept popcorn for the audience. What was your first experience like? Can you, can you talk us through that? Well, frightening. I remember walking inside and, and the box office was sort of a, a formica, um, kind of a box uh, that really looked out of the place in, in, the, um, in, the, in the reception. And it was dark, it was damp, it was um, just weird. Um, frightening actually and I remember opening some of the doors uh, that were never opened um, before by a living person known to us right Um, and that was quite frightening history of wallpapers some furniture uh, bottles glasses cigarette cases from sort of 1930s you strike me as the person on our brief acquaintance who embraces the past. We had a short conversation before recording about uh, the joy of uh, antique writing tables. Yeah. And so I guess it would take quite a bit to unnerve you. But at the same time, how did you end up being the one to open the door? Well, because we had to move out of the Hereford Road. and You can imagine trying to find a space in this neighbourhood is very difficult. I was away uh, during the Christmas and I got a phone call from a dear friend of mine, Wasfi, and she said, it was like two o'clock in the morning, she said, Cornet is for sale, you better come down. Uh, so then a few days later when I came back, um, we did come, we had a look at it and there was an auction for the Cornet and um, that's how we got it. Well, I'm presuming that at that auction must have been uh, all the people who want to turn this into luxury flats as well, surely? Yes, yes. Uh, I guess this is why we got it because we're probably the only one who did not want to turn this into something else but have a life continue as a theatre. So there was sort of an ethical dimension to this. Well, this is what I think. Yes. <laughs> Listener, if you don't know about Acast, Acast is our platform through which we broadcast on Londonist. So if you find us on the Londonist site, you'll be seeing pictures popping up right about now of the room in which we sit. And it's got that, what is now called shabby chic. But really, this has a lot of fin de siècle extravagance about it. You can see the traces of the opera house it once was. I wonder how much of this is original. It strikes you that probably quite a lot is. There's quite a lot original, but a lot of it was changed uh, about 30 years ago where um, the colours, we, um, for example, we had a paint specialist to see what the original colours were uh, in the inside of the theatre. And there are about 40 different layers of colours uh, that range from started originally beige and silver and gold, and then it ended up to reds and greens and blues, and, and it looks like an ice cream, <laughs> you know, uh, spectrum of colors um this uh, burgundy purple color now it's um probably 20 30 years old 
because for cinema they need a dark color. That's Do you know? I was just going to ask you that. I was curious because so many places of entertainment, whether it's theaters or cinemas, use this color palette. We've got golden cherubs and vine leaves at the front. We've got shields in picked out in gold, and then it's that burgundy and, and the purple that you refer to. We're sitting right now. This is a balcony level, and what we did because there is no stage here because the previous owners closed the stage so they could have two cinemas. So we're sitting at the moment on a level of the balcony, on a stilts, which is temporary. Okay, that's... I have to show you in a That's second. very we'll peculiar. Stalls are down be- below. The stalls are below us? The, the stalls are below us, which we turn into a temporary bar for the theatre. Yeah, okay. This is, this is quite a weird experience, because I was fairly certain when I came in here that I've been to see a film here, and I distinctly remember... The narrow and steep staircase at the right there, seeing off a fellow who was carrying three cartons of popcorn up those steps, and there was a a misstep, and it rained popcorn, and this guy was rather embarrassed there in the dark. So the level we're on here is a stage made out of long planks, but the planks don't comfortably meet the arc of facade around us. At the moment, because this is just a set underneath these planks, it is a stage. So how, how much further down does it go? Oh, it goes, uh, I would say, five metres. We're virtually on a scaffolding. Now. Which is bizarre, because we're actually sitting on a couch in a, a stage set front room. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Should we get exploring and have, yeah, a, look, have a look around? Yeah, let's have a look. I want to show you the bar. And the dressing rooms. So here we go. As we clamber over the edge of the stage, I'm going to try and peek down. You can't actually oh, see okay. down. Can't see between the boards there. Well, for safety, it has to be really tight. Unless you don't want to be losing audience members from the front row. Gosh, no, or the actor. <laughs> well, you can afford a few actors, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's not a joke that's going to work with an artistic director. Oh. We're descending the stair so outside right the main room. This is the stalls. Well, this room is my idea of heaven. Yes. Passing through between narrow curtains. Now, this this really is shabby chic, which is a phrase I don't like, but the description that Anders set us up with is exactly what you'd expect. And then it looks as though it's been re-inhabited. So the piano... This yeah, baby grand. The, the, it's an old piano I bought for one of our music concerts just as an art installation. It's in dark brown rather than black. The room, despite not having so very many books, a, a, a smattering on the shelves here, has the air of a library. And you know, peculiarly, where else it reminds me of, is the new library at the Wellcome Institute. Is that right? Yes. They use the same palette really and they have curios on their shelves that you're invited to again oh, explore and pick. well we did have somebody i mean all of these books come from previous show and the book uh, bookshelves from breakfast of Eels, um by robert holman so we use them here for our um, bar and what to keep you- our uh, bottles of wine books and um, glasses everybody comes and i have to say people love it we had william kentridge who came here and he said this is like being on a boat because as you can see look at the floor it's slanted because we're in a stalls so we are what happened is when we got this building we did not realize that there was asbestos in this 
building, and we had to close this area for about nine months. So all of the walls, the carpets, the walls were stripped down from asbestos. Could you, for me, relive the moment when you found that out? Well, I nearly had a heart attack, to be honest, (laughs) because we had a film screen and the chairs and everything, and then we realized we're going to lose all of that. Well, as in they they were all stuffed with asbestos? Yes, yeah, they had to remove the curtains, they had to remove the screen, speakers, everything that had asbestos dust in it had to go. I don't... Okay, this is not a journalist trying to find emotion where there isn't any. You must have felt your heart sink at that point well we did i have to say because nine months is a long time to wait but also well that's uh, a lot of the character of the place as well Well, it, it, it actually gave a character and i'm glad because i did not like the carpets and i did not like <laughs> the, the the chairs had to go because they had lots of bugs and they're really falling apart um the wallpapers were really kind of um i don't know where they belong but um tried to look posh and it, they didn't so in a way, it did give a character to the building, these stripped walls and, um, and beautiful look. You can see original colour on the floor. When I arrived today, you had just returned from a flea market with a, a writing desk under your arm. Yes. How much of this is an excuse for you to be spending a lot of time in flea markets? Oh, it's a lot. I love it. Every Friday I'm there, I have to say, everything here you see came from flea market or it's something that we had as a set in, in our previous productions. I'd like to ask you about you, if I may. It's an incredible project to be involved with and to be driving. Um, Who are you? Well, hard to tell. uh, I was born in Croatia and I moved to America when I was 22. I started um, fashion, which I did not like very much. I have to say very soon I moved into theatre design. And um, because theatre was always close to my heart. Worked in New York, moved to London because of my husband's work, um, had children. And then I decided, um, you know, looking, knocking on people's doors, looking for work, I thought um, I'd like to create something where I can give people a wonderful experience that I've seen. And that's how the Hereford Road started. I looked for a small space I had never had in mind having such a big theatre, to be honest. Because a lot of people could come to this job that you're doing from the perspective of perhaps having been an actor or being a director and wanting to find somewhere to perform or for, for others to perform. And it sounds almost as though you've come at it from the outside and you've, you've come at it from the materials and the building and the aesthetic and then have reached the content on the stage. <laughs> Well, I don't know. It is always, I always think I'm not a director, um, but all my life um, I read a lot. I did study literature back home. I um, watched just about every show that was around. I was always involved in theatre, so I don't know. It depends which angle you come from. Maybe that's why this looks the way it does. We're going to explore further. Where are we off to next? We're going to go into dressing rooms and see the space number two. At the moment, we have uh, rehearsals for the, our new dance show called Terra, which is the last part of our trilogy. The other part was um, Flow, which was based on water. And it's three elements, right? Um, water, and then we had Fire, Ignis, and now Terra, the last one of the three. And it's going to be first time that we're doing it in the main space, the dance for the first time and I'm in the stage. So we're going to go this way. 
across many a rug. Yes. If you, listener, happen to be a purveyor of second-hand rugs, you could do worse than look up Anna Winters right now. She, <laughs> I think she's, she's got plenty, but I think she may still be in the market for rugs. I am always in the market. And we can sell them. People do ask us if we would like to sell something. We do have to be a little bit quiet now because we're entering the um, rehearsal. I can't help uh, noticing that there's no space for anyone, uh, for any audience. There's plenty of space, just to you it looks like there is not. But I'll show you some of the images, you can you can play around. So the, wall, the walls move away, do they? The most, um, nothing moves here. Well, where does the audience go? <laughs> well, at the moment we don't have any Do you strap seats. them to the ceiling? Of course, they hang from the ceiling. <laughs> No, you do, we do build seats, yeah. you'd be amazed. Oh, so kind of grandstand style. Yeah, every time it changes. The seating always changes with each different productions. The seating is different, comes from different angle. Well, we're nudging out of that space and through a door marked private. So, I'm going to show you the basement now, because um, what we wanted to build in a basement is actually studio spaces for rehearsals. Um, but it was a bomb shelter during the World War II, so we might be limited to that. Oh, this building is so big, there's absolutely no space for storage here. <laughs> You'll see, this is all we have. Look at these beautiful doors. Through some thick, they look like iron. Iron, yeah. These, yeah, these iron doors. doors. Original fire doors. And now under the stage and if you see the beams yes when you say beams we're talking about steel girders yes and this is what it was um, to protect from bombing during the World War II so we've got sort of corrugated sheeting across there as well you do get the feeling of the Anderson shelter writ large <laughs> I want to show you orchestra please moving along. Uh, it's surprisingly, there's a lot of headroom given that it's the basement. Normally I yes. find myself crawling on all fours. Yeah. Oh, really? Well, this was orchestra pit, but this was built as, um, as a soundproof wall for the cinema. So we can't really go inside of Well, I better describe this. We've turned at right angles to ourselves and we've entered a long corridor-like room. The beams are a slightly different shape here. They curve as they meet the wall on the left. It reminds me of those places around the old docks area 
where the ship's timbers have been used to make the buildings and the right hand wall is quite clearly newer it's made out of breeze blocks we're right underneath the stage right now We're right underneath the stage, and this is where the orchestra would be. Should we go through? You can't really go. Oh, you can't go through? Have a look. That's packing your right. you, You'll have detected there's a lot more old furniture and so forth. Yeah. And when we poke our heads through, that partition wall has exactly bisected what was obviously a wider room. So the orchestra, the orchestra pit's a really unfriendly place. It really is a pit. It's brick built on both sides. It makes me feel a bit claustrophobic. Yeah. Oh, there's all sorts of interesting little stairwells. Oh, this stair- needs to be old blue, but you need to have a light, and we don't. Oh. Not, non-functional. Can I, was, I tell you, there were barely much any, more excited any, than any laboratories been. working in this building when we came. So this was a, quite a big challenge. And as we yes. walk up the staircase um, and um, see the um, dressing rooms, you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, for example, we don't have a shower. We're building one right now because you need to have showers for the dancers after the performance and actors, and uh, you need to have more than one lavatory for them. So, Before you were successful here, did you have your sights on other places? Um, yeah, I did look at a um, few different places, but nothing came as, as, um, as good, actually, and as affordable in this one. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's a strange thing to say about it somewhere is, in Notting Hill, isn't it? I know, it is, but because it was a, a building, um, a theatre building, as I think the value kind of, it does go differently. Because hmm. this has often struck me with some of the places in the West End that the upkeep on the places must be astronomical. They are, but I, I don't know the details as yet. They're huge. Oh, so the bill has yet to arrive. <laughs> yes, uh, bills are arriving one by one, and <laughs> that's why I'm totally grey. <laughs> no. We're going to move upstairs, I think. Okay. Where are we going? We're going to the dressing rooms now, and eventually to the roof. Well, this seems like as good a time as any listener to take a break. Uh, if you enjoy the show... Please reflect your enjoyment on iTunes and give us a review of uh, highly positive nature if you have the time. Londonist Out Loud is free every week. You can support the show and Londonist via the Londonist shop, where you'll find excellent gift ideas, including London postcard T-shirts, The Secrets of the Tube DVD, chunky logo mugs, tote bags, hoodies, the Inspector Sands tea, and the Londonist Oyster card holder. Treat yourself, support us, and share your love of London at londonist.com slash shop. You're listening to Londonist Out Loud. I'm Anne Quentin Wolfe, and we are at the Coronet. And, well, it's a difficult room to describe. Actually, I can tell you who's in it with me, and that is Ander Winters, who is the artistic director of the print room at the Coronet. And, well, let me take it wall by wall. On one wall, we have a fake bookcase. And it's a big fake bookcase. Somebody's put a lot of time into pretending that they've got a bookcase here. It's built into an arched recess in the wall. At the far end, what should be a mirror, really, but is in fact a wood-framed window looking out at an entirely interior area with a pipe running through it. There's an empty birdcage. There is a bar chair stuck up in the top right-hand corner where the ceiling meets the wall, and it's got a clock built into its base. 
Somebody's been enjoying cigarettes. And then we have several benches here, and it looks as though they have consumed a load of chairs because the backs of the chairs are sticking out of the benches, and there are cards and flowers. This looks like a star's dressing room, but from another dimension. Yes. We have 12 dressing rooms here, and this is the first one. This used to be... This particular one was the only dressing room that was really opened um, when I first came in, and it used to be a popcorn storage room. So we needed to decorate this as, as best as we could, and by not really damaging anything original. Uh, it's called as a Janet Tuzman dressing room. This is what we call it. It's a very much loved room, and a lot of things that you see here came from years of collecting from my previous life. <laughs> I know that having spoken to people who've worked as maids or housekeeping workers that when they turn over a hotel room they find out all sorts of things what have you found out in your we don't have to name names but what sort of things have you learned about people from hosting people in dressing rooms very messy i have to say messy um different people like different things tea is very important here Tea, water, sometimes cigarettes, um, but not really. They can't smoke here. In the scheme of things, these sound like relatively wholesome vices. <laughs> I guess part of me is wondering what what else you've learned. Well, you know, we don't really go inside their dressing rooms because they like their privacy. It's only when they leave that we find letters, notes. Yes, now we're getting to the good stuff, yes. Yeah, but don't really look through them. or. or I don't believe you. Yes. No, I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> you've never been tempted to... Uh, Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Just in the, in the in the interest of recording the history of the theatre, you've never been interested in. Uh... No, honestly, I I haven't really. I kind of you have to respect their privacy, so I don't, to be honest. I think uh, ten years from now, a book will be published. Letters that I found in the dressing room of, of my theatre. <laughs> notes, hateful notes, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We're passing out now through the stairwell. Do you know, there was an institution that we recorded at once, 
and very unusually their PR people demanded that they be allowed to check through every detail of the recording before they gave it the green light. We don't normally do that. And uh, they were very, very upset because we'd mentioned that the paint was peeling in part of their place. Now, if, if the same rule was applied here, this would not be a long broadcast. No, actually, I don't want to really touch this because this is so historical and so beautiful that to trying to paint it, you would ruin it. Absolutely. Um, so I try to keep every room as much as it is, and you'll see it as we're going up. So this is Archer's green room. We had to paint this room because this room particularly, it had actually better energy, to be honest. Mm. And um, so we had to paint this room. It had lots of um, wallpaper that was peeling off um, from the 70s and um, lots of stains. Not, not a good era for wallpaper. It, it was, well, it depends, but this particular one wasn't good. So this is um, sort of room where we can open couches and people, actors and creatives can lie down and relax. Yes, this is a festival of lounging going on here. And then we're on to kitchen. Ooh, door. Well, the smell of, we uh, I think it's tea, is overpowering. Yeah, it is tea and maybe um, a little bit of curry. Oh, curry, yes, that's maybe. right. Maybe fresh fruits. We always bring fresh fruits every day. for. You know, I just naturally assumed they were wax. I think there's something about being in a theatrical place. And, and seeing a, a real actual fruit. look real. <laughs> <laughs> Looks too good. Now, one of the things that, get, that happens in a big building is that the scale of it dwarfs the achievements. If your kitchen, listener, had been transformed to the degree that this kitchen clearly has been, you'd think a quarter of my house has been improved. But because this is just one room among many, it's easy to, to overlook that. But this is a lot of work that's gone in here. It's, it's, it is a lot of work, but it's a lot of love, I have to say. And we built everything ourselves, including the concrete tops. So we tried to really do everything very tight. And it wasn't spent much money. I mean, if £200 altogether. What was your strategy here? Did you rope in assistance from willing family members? or How did you go about this? Well, I don't know. I just mad, pure madness, I guess. Um, you know, going to Ikea, going to flea markets and finding things actually on the streets. When you drive around, you find furniture and then you pin them and they look good. Uh, out we go. We're going upstairs again now. I think I've lost count of how many floors up we are. I think we're on the third floor now. So... Remember, all of these rooms were closed. Oop. So we had to build a lavatory. Yes, we're, we're, yes, we are looking at the lavatory. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're going into the dressing rooms. This is ladies' dressing room. As you can see, it's quite basic. They're quite small. They're all the same size. And look at the windows, aren't they unusual? But they're mottled so that you can't see through them. Yeah. But I'll Does that mean you. that these used to be a washroom or something? No, this was, these were original dressing rooms. You see, I left the original wallpaper on this wall so you can see what it looked like. Goodness me, so this is 1898-style uh, wallpaper. And it this looks is the back of the wallpaper. Sorry, I just seen it. This is, look at this wall over there. It's turquoise with a gold pattern that's Every window in this building off. was painted black. And we had to, this was the first thing we ever did. We, we had to scrape down the black paint from inside and outside to be able to 
get some light in these rooms. I, I can't tell you what an exciting project this well, I don't need to tell you what an exciting project this is, but the idea that something like this could be uh, so locked away from public view and any kind of use right in the heart of things like this is so strange, isn't it? That is. So look at this room. This is totally untouched. Look at the paint. We're in another dressing room. This is as you found it. This is as we found it, yes. And we're not touching it because I think it's so beautiful. Look at this. Nobody couldn't recreate this again, these beautiful colours on the walls. It's difficult to know how much of this is tides of dirt that have appeared on the different colours of paint that you can can clearly see where different greens and reds have been splashed across and time has fuzzed the edges up so that it get a cloudy effect but then it's difficult to know where uh, for example furniture might have been lent against the wall and allowed some patches to be lighter and then as we turn towards the window the stripped effect on the wooden panels and oh, wow we can see a tiny wooden door in the wall there not even a foot and a half wide you can see the holes into this wood this is where the original sinks were now we don't have a water here at the moment Oh, so you've got toilets but no water? Not in this part of oh, the wall. Oh, I see. Wall. <laughs> yes, we do have it. Just saving up that. for the water. Incredible. And a, a smell that's completely indescribable. In a positive way. We've arrived at a landing full of bird cages. What's with all the bird cages? I used to have them at the Hereford Road because we had a beautiful garden. So we used them around the garden with the candles to give some light. But um, we had to bring everything with us. You can't leave anything behind. Uh, now then, if you've ever been in a bad antique shop, <laughs> where, where all they've got left are the items that you probably don't quite want to buy, this is the room we find ourselves in now. It is all about wine glasses, cups, macchiato cups, tea urns, many, many plates. When you say that these are props, how many meals appear in your shows? Well, there's one coming very soon, but I can't talk about it yet. Not really, but we do have parties sometimes, and so we we do use them. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, I'm just going to crush some of the glasses underfoot there. Now I'm going to take it to wonderful. We're now moving across the landing to the club room. This is our private club room. Well, I'm in love with this room already. Here are some of the uh, some of the things to fall in love with: a wind chime made of spoons as you come in, antique musical instruments, violins, a trumpet, some of the furniture to die for, and the best bit because I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, little mezzanine levels and uh, split level rooms where you can go up a little staircase at the end here, and it has got the most exquisite ram's head banister rail knob. And as we go up the steps, oh, this gets better and better. So there's a at the top of the steps, there's this flight down, which looks like they might take you out of the building eventually. No, it takes us down to the god seats, which are... Takes us to the gods? Yes. <laughs> so this, this is the good stuff. I believe this is where the chorus used to be, but we don't know. Well, this is a penthouse apartment, really, isn't it? It is lovely, yes. It's one of my favourite um, area of the theatre. Light streaming in from the skylight. Again, these walls are a fusion of all sorts of different paints from many a period the overall palette is kind of pastels, lilacs light greens a little bit of sky blue makes you think you're stuck in a money yes, for this room when we found it 
um, you couldn't really walk through it. There was rubble down down to the ankles, dust, um, concrete, um, basically junk. Um, windows, again, were painted black, so it was very hard to see. This was boarded up, so none of the light was coming here. And then with the flashlight, as we're looking, we found this here on the wall, which are World War II airplanes. And we believe that during the World War II, there are people who were um, watching for the airplanes and um, guarding maybe Notting Hill. Um, so you can see there is... Um, and we protected it with a glass because we don't want this to disappear. Yeah, quite seriously, somebody's done a very accurate yes. drawing of a... I think it's a Messerschmitt 109E. And the Japanese... And we've got the Japanese Zero. Well, um, maybe that puts a hole in your theory, though, because they wouldn't have been spotting Japanese planes here, would they? No, but I don't know why, why Japanese flag, maybe... Interesting. Maybe it wasn't. It looks like. So you can find more drawings as we move through the rooms, which is all protected again by the glass. There are a lot of chaise lounge here, which make me want to uh, sit down and recline in glorious decline. But the the smell as we move into this area, it's it's got damp and plaster mixed together, and this. There's nothing that says old building and renovation like that smell. What happens if we go further that way? This used to be a lavatory here. I'm good at finding the lavatories. But there's no lavatory here at the moment, as you can see. It used to have a chair here that disappeared now, but sometimes people come and read in this corner because it's very quiet it is cold though you can tell there's no heating in this part of the building well the whole floor so we've traversed the width of the building on this floor and the nook that we're in now well it's just a corridor that ends abruptly and there's a load of scatter cushions there and a book and a magnifying glass well I'll take it it's a deal okay (laughs) how much do we agree on? sometimes we do have you can have it for free. <laughs> um, we do have rehearsals sometimes here. We had Catherine Hunter here uh, doing a little bit of workshop. So we do use this room not only for um, as a little event room, but we use it also um, to do rehearsing or auditions and so on mm. when the weather is better, not now. It's too cold. But there's no heating, no uh-huh. heating. Uh-huh. So this is something we have to work on. We, um, the heating actually stopped working about a month ago, so we had to buy a new, new system. And this is why you saw a lot of blankets on the chairs. Now, I can take you to the guard seats, but it's very dark and we don't have a light, so I don't know whether you're interested just to have a look. Well, we don't need pictures. Good. Yeah. <laughs> are we going? Which way are we going? We're going out and we'll, I'll take you to the roof. Oh, okay. So down a curved staircase with old film reels there piled up and through a big heavy set of doors. We've kind of cut through a, a red, signature red corridor. Well, this is not what I was expecting. Andrew is gesturing at what looks like a shutter. This is what every window looked like, painted black. So this is, when you walked in, this is what you would see. And you can just see some tiny scraps of light. We can't, no, can't see through at all. But now we're in the guard seats, and look at this. Um, oh, this is amazing. So, ah, right, now let me just describe where we are, because I'm turned about. We've emerged. Imagine that you 
had arrived at the theatre and your seat is right at the top of the house and the doorway that you use to get to your seat is about uh, six or seven rows down from the top so you come in at the side and if I peer over this curtain and I must say this feels precarious knowing what I know about the building and I'll peek over this curtain and I can see the stage uh, not forgetting that that's a suspended fake stage and there is uh, there's my coat sitting on the couch where we first met so I'm turning back now to the darkened uh, final few rows of seats up here this is quite creepy well it's creepy because it's dark and so you can imagine this is what I for, this is what I saw when I first came here just darkness and it looked creepy but if we climb up you'll see there used to be an old bar area which is absolutely huh. beautiful now I think we shouldn't go there because it's not safe at the moment um, which is a shame and if you if, if we we'll use a different staircase actually so I can show you one of the original lavatories men's rooms absolutely beautiful with original um, um, uh, tiles and, and sinks which is very rare to find these days. That'll be your fourth lavatory of the tour, listeners, so don't say I don't treat you. <laughs> the silence. I think we've encountered uh, ten or so people in the building. And even with that, and even though we're looking down onto a brightly illuminated stage, and we can hear the traffic in the background, and yet there's still a deadness to the air here which is quite remarkable. There's a solidity, a presence. So this here was the entrance for the god seats. It was a separate entrance from the main theatre. This is for your VIPs. <laughs> yes. OK, so back the way we came. So we're going to just nip in through the that kind of penthouse area that we were talking about. Is it all right if I start moving my stuff in on the weekend? <laughs> of course. Okay. Well, then we come uh, another room, more or less the same size as the various dressing rooms and lounges that we were looking at on lower floors. But because we're near the top of the building, light streams in from above. It's beautiful, isn't it? A lot of raw brick going on in this one. And that's another one. And the theme of this room is uh, wicker and tweed. The paint and the plaster have given way, and it's just the, the wall of the building, which, if it's as old as all that, that's going to be the outside wall, isn't it? Yes, this is outside of the wall. Without any cavities or any of that stuff, that is mm-hmm. one, we're one brick away from freedom. Well, yes, one hopes. <laughs> <laughs> Now we're at the, the top. I'm going to the roof and see. Voila! Please be very careful. It's slippery. Okay. And <laughs> now you can have a view of the entire Notting Hill, and you can see all the way down to the almost to the city. We're looking down onto Notting Hill Gate. To my left as I emerge, we have a terrace of buildings in brown brick. To the right, the turret of the coronet. 
and down we go down a metal staircase there are lots of metal staircases and bridges and ladders with protective cages it being a theatre there is of course a twice life size hand sculpture careful it's very slippery honestly this is an old ventilation system to the theatre and when we first came to the roof it was packed with pigeons it looked something like Ansel Kipfer actually made really looked like a, a sculpture the thing we're in front of is a giant fan that wouldn't look out of place as part of the Titanic no and over to the other side of the roof and this is a a vantage point that many people will have seen this part of town from and it's completely changed my impression of the area I think only if you happen to live in one of the upper floors of these buildings will you have seen this but we're looking down onto those very coloured uh, Notting Hill terraced streets it's quite serene it is. and then famous cupola it needs to have a sculpture of a mercury on the top because if, if you remember, Rambert started in this neighbourhood oh. and sort of in the 30s there was a group of artists who used to meet in a mercury studio who was just around the block and every Sunday they would have a performance and this is how Rambert uh, then um, started. Um, and there was a mercury sculpture on the top and whether it was taken for to sell it as... as um, then end up in somebody's garden or used as a bullet. I don't know. When was the last time it was seen? You know, nobody knows. We only see it through the photographs. So we would like to commission, actually we did commission an artist who is going to do something for the cupola. And this is our little... Ooh. The rugs are missing because they're part of the set at the moment. And also, again, windows were painted, we scraped them, and we had to replace them because they're really in a bad and dangerous shape. So we had to replace the frame and the windows itself. So so uh, it is a magical place. We're in a cylindrical room, so of course we can see through the 10 or 12 windows all aspects of the area. And I've learned to expect this now. The room is uh, scattered with scatter cushions and a few rugs. Yes, so we do have lots. Of, this is carpeted in rugs, but as I said, it's at the moment on a stage. Um, it's I, a wonderful room to come and um, do the reading or just have a little discussions. Um, now, I want to ask you about the floor. It's notable for having across it in parallel lines four enormous cracks, five enormous cracks. I felt a bit of give there as I walked across it. Now, I've been up uh, places like the belt. Don't do that. She's jumping. Don't jump. (laughs) (laughs) What would you do that for? The fastest way to get back to the foyer. All the way down, yes. Yes, we're right above the foyer. Yes. (laughs) That was very much on my mind. I have to say, we did have structural engineers um, come and and check all of these cracks uh, in buildings of this age. They are normal. But, of course... You know, there is some rusted bits and pieces that do look scary. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. This place is absolutely mind-blowing. Thank you. Really incredible. I know. Well, listen, it was only a year and a half ago that we sort of seen this building for the first time. Right? It used to be a cinema and people would go to to watch the movies, but they had no idea what's behind the other door, right? Tell me about the future of the place and we're in that part of the show where we have to start winding down and summing up but what is the future looking like to you how do you see it playing 
Well, as I said, I would love it to be a center where people would always like to come here, expect good work, expect interesting work, uh, a place that they have not heard of or seen before, um, seeing a dance piece by wonderful choreographers, whether they're new and upcoming or well-established ones, seeing wonderful art exhibits, having a place. Um, we would like to have a little restaurant here because that helps with the funding of the theater and the work we're doing here where also people could come for coffee, read a newspaper and um, mingle with um, artists, uh, have um, wonderful music open. Like, wouldn't be wonderful to use a roof for open-air mm-hmm. concerts, small, where you have your coffee and you have um, good jazz or classical music. Have um, also cinema, small one, because I don't know if we can afford now the big screen, where we would show independent films. Um, documentaries, educational uh, films, foreign films, for example, as well. So build a kind of international space, but home for everybody. And I'd like to see more diversity here, to be honest. I really would. I can't tell you how excited I am by the the prospect of it. And I must say, doing this job, I do get invited to places that are starting out or trying something new. And not every single one is as exciting as the the PR. This place is exhilarating. I can't wait to see this place grow. Oh, thank you. Well, you will. Hmm. It does take time, I have to say. It was almost like opening Pandora's box, not knowing what to expect. And... I thought, oh, well, a year or two, but actually it's much longer uh, term to build. First, we need to get electricity sorted out, um, lighting, um, equipment, everything. And it does take time. We're kind of trying to work as Mm. we're doing the work in the building. And we're not going to make it glossy like um, Easter egg. We're going to try to keep it as beautiful as it is. I'm honoured to have had a chance to see it at this early stage. If you're interested, of course, listener, you can find out more. What's the best way to do that? It's um, just look at www.the/print/room.org. Those slashes, they're hyphens. The the hyphen print hyphen room dot org. Let that URL be your friend. Yes. Well, I guess it was the cheapest one we could get. <laughs> <laughs> from the print room, from the coronets. And the winters, thanks very much. Thank you very much. And that's all for this week. My thanks for this week to Anna Winters. Thanks to, to Veronica Humphreys and Bernie Barkley. Theme and incidental music was by Songs from the Howling Sea. I'm Anne Quentin Wolfe.